0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. The Word of God, powerful to resurrection of the dead. That's last week's podcast. Um, and no, this is not a part two, but it is a continuation of the message. And what would the message be? the Gospel of Jesus Christ and what it, what would it therein be applied to? Specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling, as we would do it at covenants. And I do believe that there's, there's a distinction in that. a lot of Christian counseling, not judging it, not making assertions or claims that can't be otherwise empirically proven. But unless it is of Jesus Christ, unless it is of resurrection power, unless it is based in word with that thought in mind, that the word of God can lift up and resurrect anyone, the just as well as the unjust, the right as well as the wrong, those in righteousness, those in iniquity. By the power of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sins with the promise of God's love and combined with forgiveness, we can overcome anything, everything, if we want to. But that's the implicit choice. Do you really want to? And I think all of us would agree, sure. (laughs) First, I don't want to die. And then secondly, if I should die, or if I think it's going to kill me, if it really doesn't actually, but I think it's going to, I want to be brought back to life. I would want a second chance if I make a mistake, if I commit an error. Uh, Empiricism itself, if applied to adaptive living, (laughs) It sounds like something somebody who does Christian counseling would talk about. And I was going to say a moment ago, <gasps> I can't say we do it better. But I can say the, the only way to do it better is to do it best. And to do it best is in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. But who wouldn't want to learn? Empiricism itself is a study of mistakes, theories that are applied. And I don't know that theories necessarily are always a mistake or that mistakes always follow even so good theories, (laughs) but every theory has to be tested and it's just a theory until it's tested and... Once assessment you need the feedback and if the feedback says oh well it worked then you could say with a bit more confidence yeah it was probably right but situations and circumstances as they are change frequently and there's a lot of factors and maybe it'll work next time maybe it won't you have to keep testing it keep applying it but if you do that <laughs> refining fire so to speak of those errors and mistakes they don't have to be condemning they can be painful Certainly at times. Uh, I don't like to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, Trial and error learning isn't all that efficient. That's why we read the Word of God. There's a lot of good stuff in the Word of God that's been accumulated over generations. Uh, Wisdom, even. Knowledge of right and wrong. Wisdom, even. Why would we not study it? Why would we not learn it? Is it going to work every time? Well, just like science and empiricism, there's going to be other factors. It's really, creativity dictates because there is such a thing, a phenomenon, such as creativity, it dictates. Things have to, at times, be put together in different manners or ways or there, there wouldn't be creativity. And God is a God of not only resurrection, but you could say that resurrection and creativity are one of the same. But who wants to make a mistake probably nobody would raise their hand except that they would understand that it's part of adapting, growth. Maybe it is even so. Virtue and character as with wisdom, as with rapport. I don't know when you end your life if you're going to be any less prone to mistakes. (laughs) I'm getting older and That's not too far out there for me and there's certainly a lot of mistakes that I'm making and some of which I didn't used to make but because my bodily faculties are not quite as uh, acute, acuity, on point, uh, they're not as refined, the skills are not as um, razor sharp as they used to be. I make a lot of mistakes. I don't like it, <laughs> but I live with it. It's just part of being older. But the one thing that I don't make a mistake on is I know how to fix them. <laughs> and maybe that's the point too. Maybe it's more about how you fix, as within resurrection and being brought from back from the dead, learning from your mistakes, which is really adaptability, than it is even prevention. The Bible starts, (laughs) before we get too far into it, with the fall. And then everything from that point on, from Genesis on, is about resurrection and redemption and fixing it and this pattern and how we have to get used to it. And it's just part of the natural order of things. It is part of the human dimension. And with that, if there is anything perfect, it's how you fix it. It's how you repair it. It's the wisdom to know not only empiricism and science, which I've got no problems, problem, with problems, with science. Empiricism, knowledge, is just that sometimes it's absent wisdom. And wisdom is really an awareness of the process How it all gets repaired. How in creativity God is always fixing and mending and changing and renewing and restoring. And you can't stop it. It's life. You cannot stop life. Even if you think you're going to die. Even if you think this is going to kill you. Even if you think there is such a thing as dead. There is no such thing as dead. There's things that are... Inanimate, There are things that are not demonstrating life. There are things that are, it seems, absent the spirit of life, rocks. But what do I know? Can these dry bones live again? Only you know God, as with Ezekiel. We don't know. I know this. God, whether we measure it, him, yeah. Life, it. In material or spiritual dimensions, God is the God of life. There is no death. Dead is a misconception. And yet, it is so powerful that we would kill other people rather than face the error in believing that God wants us dead. That somehow, We're going to be killed. And I guess that goes with that notion of punishment. And yes, your body physically will cease to exist, but that doesn't mean your soul ceases to exist. And it certainly doesn't mean the eternal dimension of soul, the heavenly spirit, not the material, but your eternal soul, it never dies. But that's where the process is. Or at least in Holy Spirit terms, that's the mechanism, the means in material definitions, translation, that God brings about. Creativity brings about new life, resurrection. But once again, why is it that someone would deny resurrection. And even if they say they believe in resurrection, why would you kill somebody who's just saying the same thing, but really, in some ways, maybe so, living it better than you. It would seem, learn it, understand it, accept it, receive it, choose it. Life, the process of life, Holy Spirit of life, the eternal aspects. God is God, a God of the living, not the dead. But when you're faced with the moment of judgment, whether you really believe it or not, and you're afraid that it's going to somehow kill you, so much so you can't even admit that error, that mistake, that you're living your life in the shadow of death, not in the shadow of life because life has no shadow (laughs) if you're living in the shadows in darkness in denial it's because you're afraid and what are we all most afraid of if we hold any fear at all it's usually tied to not only errors and mistakes but errors and mistakes that could be fatal don't walk out in front of traffic it could be a mistake and uh, an error, but it could kill you. Yes, we should be smart. <laughs> we shouldn't go around again not doing things that we know are bad for us. The Old Testament is filled full of good knowledge and with that wisdom to preservation of material life. God has a season. He wants us to finish it in fullness of the season. There is a time to everything. There is a time Ecclesiastes. Ministry and purpose. God has a purpose in your life. And with that, if it is true, (laughs) I had to pause for a moment. Because I wanted to make sure I got this in say it the right way. And if there is a purpose in learning from our mistakes, or if that is what we're passing on, so that when the big chill occurs, when it isn't just a mistake, and it isn't just an error that isn't fatal, there's a sin unto death. <laughs> There's errors, mistakes, there's sins. And then there's a sin unto death. If this isn't that one unto death, if it's just error and mistake, keep learning, even while you've got the physical body. It's wisdom. So that it will help you in the end to ensure not only are you surrounded, um, hedge of protection, that you have access to that safety, access to that place where you and God can meet and that he can revitalize, replenish, restore, rejuvenate. That Holy Spirit can uh, come back in even stronger dimensions and terms and you can overcome your fears and, and apprehensions of living your life so you can live it to the fullest and not allow anything such as failure, mistake, death, To cast such the shadow that it causes you to freeze up, (laughs) become so avoidant, it's so stressful, life is so difficult. You can't seem to get up the next day, you can't seem to find the energy, You become depressed. Not necessarily oppressed, although I believe depression is kind of like oppression. You're not necessarily demon-possessed, although I think you can become so uh, enmeshed in this way of thinking, in this paradigm of failure and fatalism and negativity and pessimism and and, uh, nihilism and atheism and agnosticism and why would you do that? There is a God. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you, not so that Jesus could celebrate or that we would celebrate in any way, shape, or form the death of Jesus, but that we can celebrate even so. He was resurrected. And there is then in Christ Jesus no such thing as dead. There's no such thing as death. Although you will become a resurrected new creature, a resurrected body. You will have a resurrected body. I don't know what that looks like. You might. If you do, send me some information on that. I'd love it if you could tell me what that looks like and what it's going to be like. I just don't know that it's going to look like us and be like us. I'm pretty confident that why would I want to come back as a human? I think I declared in the last podcast, too, I don't believe in reincarnation either. So I'm not hoping on being a fish or a snail or a slug or a bird, or any other tree, I think that I'll be in Christ Jesus. I'll have my soul established in him. And should there be any spirit of life or eternal soul in me at that point, it'll be the Holy Spirit. It will be just as Jesus, the Christ, the gospel of Jesus the Christ has presented it to us shown it to us. God has revealed it. The scales have fallen again off of our eyes so we can see it. These are the words of life. (laughs) That's why the word is so powerful to the resurrection of the dead because one, it just allows your brain to cooperate. It's encouragement. It is the promises of God As with translation once more, given to us in a form and a fashion that we can put our hands on it, understand it, communicate it, as we're doing today on the podcast, we can share it in word, but it's always attached to living word. And if it's attached to living word, then it's always going to have then the eternal dimensions, and it will always then result for us humans in Jesus the Christ, Whatever our next iteration is going to be, maybe I'm wrong in all that. Maybe there is such a thing as iterative regeneration. That's a scientific theory that says that even if a species could go extinct, that somehow all of the DNA, all of those essential elements that are otherwise going to tell us or tell us, tell whatever it is that it's going to be this particular thing, as God has written all of that down and possibly encoded it genetically in us, as well as all things living, there's some aspect of that scripting that it'll just spontaneously come back. I don't know. Maybe it will. I'm not saying it won't. I'm saying it probably doesn't matter as long as you believe in Jesus, And the resurrection power in general. And though we could do a deep dive into all that in terms of pontification. It probably doesn't help us much. Because I don't know and you don't know. And one day all that will be revealed. But when all that is revealed the one thing that we will know is whatever we come back as. A new creature in Christ. It won't be the material manifestation it will be by virtue of the Holy Spirit, which is then again the anointing of the Word. It is the anointing, as we said also in the last podcast, that takes knowledge and knowing and turns it into believing. It's the power of life. And nobody, no human, for sure. No entity for sure, sure, no power, no principality, whether of light or darkness, can bring forth life. It is life is God. God is love. Love is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. The promise of God is love eternal, but love eternal always brings forth life because if you follow it in human terms you will always get to Jesus and Jesus is always about resurrection and Jesus is always about redemption and in that evangelistically Jesus is always about salvation. So when I'm doing my counseling no matter what the circumstance or situation no matter what the mistake or the error I keep reminding folks There's resurrection power in the word. The promise is it isn't intention to kill you. It's intention to reveal to you the ultimate resurrection power of Jesus Christ, which then would be manifest in when the big chill does come. (laughs) You will go to be with God in heaven. And should you not, if there should be a hell... It is of your own choosing. It won't be any different than the hell of all of that stress and oppression and demonic possession and anxiety and all those things I mentioned earlier that probably do bring people in to see someone such as myself. That's hellish. We all go through a bit of that because it's just part of the flesh nature. You can't remove that entirely because there is adaptive I guess benefit is kind of redundant if it's adaptive it's beneficial and if it's adaptive it always brings forth more life but there's a benefit to fight or flight god does not want us to die prematurely he doesn't want our life to end prematurely certainly before the mission is accomplished our purposes are accomplished our season is finished fulfilled i wouldn't say fulfilled finished All those things that he's called us to in Christ Jesus is done. But that's not mine to measure or yours. And if there is a judgment of that, then maybe the judgment now is if you're feeling too much of all of that negative, if you're living in that, if that's become your habitation, if that's become semblant of hell, (laughs) there is a literal hell that in some aspect is pre kind of term of the hell to come but there is also then eternally for the human soul you're going to never know anything different if you fall into that to that degree or extent or that place of such apostasy that you can't you won't receive salvation you've got no other claim to anything but that. That's what your reward will be. And will it be eternal? It will be eternal as far as you're concerned. (laughs) My eternity is going to be one in Jesus with God in heaven. Yours will be with all those other folks that rejected that, Jesus, and that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that, the forgiveness of God, and that, the ability to overcome not only, again, errors and mistakes, in forgiveness But just that risk that if you're not careful, all of these will accumulate and the human soul will take predominance over even the divine nature, Holy Spirit, in this way. That rather than believing in Jesus Christ and the power of that resurrection, you will become so enmeshed in your, again that word enmeshed, in your humanity that you will begin to believe that that's all there really is. And once that ends, it's finished for you. (laughs) There is, again, eternal hell. But you'll never, once you die, it's over. That will be your judgment. Are you written in the Lamb's book of life? Or not? I'm just saying give some thought to it now and Receive the gift and don't live in condemnation and regret, fear. <laughs> God is not intention to kill you. He's not intention to punish you to the point of wishing you were dead, even. He's not about dead. God is the God of the living, not the dead. Acts, you knew there'd be some scripture in this. Chapter 24, and after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness and the very worthy deeds of and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy provision. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Notwithstanding that I be no further tedious unto thee, I beseech thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. And a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Who also hath gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain, Lysias, came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. Then Paul, after the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city, Neither can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee that after the way, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also Uh, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. And if this, do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men? Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings whereupon certain Jews from Asia "...found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult, who ought to have been here before thee, and object, if they had anything against me. Or else, let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me, while I stood before the council, except it be for this one thing, that I cried standing among them, Concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. That's through verse 21. That is the accusation that they brought against Paul. And Paul, understanding, being the Pharisee that he was, about resurrection. And with that, you could say, as Paul laid claim to, the highest order of any sect of Judaism, the Jewish faith, Paul, as well as Jesus, the Christ, (laughs) believed in resurrection. And with that, then, all the things that we have been saying heretofore on the podcast today, what's wrong with resurrection? What is wrong with a message that in Jesus the Christ we finally see the error of our ways? What is wrong in admitting that we allowed fight or flight, fear? When we were a child, we thought as a child. When we were in that childish sort of state, long before all of the equipment even, the human apparatus, was fully developed the age of accountability where it is developed sufficient to where we can make a good decision about life or death, Jesus Christ or not, there's a lot of things in childhood that can scare you. (laughs) If you, unfortunately, are born to a family that has little courage or faith, has no promise of God, or even should they have a lesser understanding of life, at least some hopefulness, that mistakes don't kill you, you should be thankful. Because there are things even in simple mistakes. Again, I use the example of walking out in front of a car. It was a mistake. You didn't plan it. You weren't committing suicide. Even so, in the Old Testament, if you should accidentally kill someone that was different than premeditated murder, which was the worst, there there were those cities of refuge where you were spared, (laughs) at least your own life. God is not about killing you. God is about a time and a season that's already been preordained. You are a material being by God's choice. He made humans out of clay. It was all part of God's creativity. It needed a material manifestation. There is a material dimension to life. But when you're a child, that's all you know. And until you can really accept Jesus except, with the exception, that somebody could tell you otherwise... But by the time you get to the age of accountability, if you don't have anybody telling you, if, you don't, if you're not brought up in the way of the Lord, and you don't have the Old Testament, you've never gone to church, you've never been around anybody who put life above death, uh, you even maybe have been with those that are so embittered by all the things that have happened, and I can't criticize them. Legitimately so. Trauma is hard to overcome as a child. You get frozen in that. The only way that many survive it is to disassociate or depersonalize and derealize, which is just all clinical sort of terms, psychologically, clinical sort of terms, where they check out and they compartmentalize it. They stow it away. It doesn't go away. It becomes part of their human identity even. But we need saved from that so that by the time we finally do understand... Are capable in human dimension. By the time that we finally get to a place where we can say, hey, wait a minute, I'm spending my whole life in fear, this trauma continues, this history of trauma continues. And if you compartmentalize sufficiently, you kind of continue to blind yourself. Denial is a defense mechanism. Disassociation is an extension of denial by compartmentalizing you may be inadvertently unaware of those particular things for fear that something might trigger you or you might see it and then go into that defense of denial and disassociation and by the time you realize it, it's too late. Or you may never realize it till it happens again. A lot of people have lives with serial abuse simply because of disassociation and denial. It is a defense mechanism, but that's why the light of Jesus Christ, the truth in some... I hate to say it because I don't want to get into the psychology too much. You get into the psychological operations... But the Holy Spirit is constantly working to bring that level of discernment that God does not want you dead, that that is all part of natural life, that once you begin to have an awareness sufficient to understanding the biggest sin you commit is one unto death, biting off of that fruit or biting off a portion, if not eating in total that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, so that you could somehow defend yourself, protect yourself, so that nobody can kill you. You become so hypervigilant that you become obsessed with it. You don't have time to live your life and enjoy it because that is the shadow of death. Jesus comes to save you by saying, God sends his son Christ. The word of God presents Christ, Old and New Testament. And with New Testament then literally, empirically, tangible living proof of resurrection that God never intentioned you to be so much a part of your human soul or your human soul to take so preeminence over your divine nature that you would then go contrary to the order, even the natural order, which includes the passing, the transformation, the transfiguration of the physical into something new. He wants you, always wanted you, to be one with him. But the devil, Satan, all this evil, all of these evil spirits, spiritual oppression, the spiritual possession, all of those individuals that are going to hell, as we tried to describe it earlier, that are preaching these awful messages, and if they're not preaching it in that obvious of a way, which would have been only the decent thing to do, tell you that they've given up. Tell you they've become so embittered. Tell you they've quit believing. Tell you that they've given up hope so that you can make at least your own choice. They want to brainwash you. They want to engage you in cunningly devised fables. They want to spread a bit of half-truth because we do have to at least eat, drink, and be merry (laughs) for tomorrow we die. For the sake of what we have now, but that's not God's answer. God's answer is don't let that kill you. And should you die, realize there's no such thing as death. In Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, taking what you know what the Holy Spirit is constantly ministering to you with words that you cannot even understand or comprehend. It is the spirit of life allowing that to guide and direct you to minister unto you life. The perfect love of God Because he loved us first, we can then love one another to take on that virtue and character. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to die to yourself so you get out of the way. Because it is in you. The scales just have to be removed. You have to get out of living your life or having your personality constructed, so much so built upon denial and disassociation and trauma and fear and allowing fight or flight to predominate so that you don't ever enjoy... The beautiful things about life. Yes, tomorrow you might die. But if you're so worried about that today, you'll never enjoy not only what you have available to you today, but you'll certainly condemn yourself to miss out on it tomorrow. And there is a cumulative effect to that. Strongholds are are built up piece by piece. Your personality is constructed of nothing but hypervigilance and fear, which quickly turns to paranoia, which quickly turns to suicide. I can't do this anymore! I can't take this anymore! I want to leave this life! Or homicide. And I am not making light of that. That is genuinely what it's like. But there is no reason to live in that because there is no such thing as death in Jesus Christ. And should you argue against it it's because you don't want to admit you 're wrong. you've bitten so much of the apple, the embitterment, the guile has consumed you so much that really you 're an atheist, or <laughs> you're agnostic. I think the Pharisees were atheistic and agnostic. I think they pretended. Because they needed something at the time of the Apostle Paul. They needed something to believe in. But they didn't believe it. They'd fallen into such a state of apostasy. They'd grieved the Holy Spirit so much. That they were blaspheming the Holy Ghost. In mass. In total. I'm not saying all Hebrew people. I'm not saying that there wasn't a remnant. Because the Bible speaks of a remnant. I'm not even saying that all of those that were listening to all of this discourse between Paul and the Pharisees and the high priest, the Sadducees and the high priest and now even the political machinery and operative and that's probably the closest thing that we had to what we call today science too bad that politics today are not predicate upon science anymore, that's how bad it's gotten but I am saying this you don't have to live there at that age of accountability if you're beyond the age of 12, 13, 14 you can be redeemed you've got all of the mental, the psychological the emotional thinking and now the higher cortical operations that come on a little bit later developmentally over the course of childhood, adolescence development to the point of formation of human formation of identity and personality, you now have that apparatus, that machinery. But if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to root out all the evil therein that has, I guess, accumulated again, that's probably the best word I could come up with on the podcast today (laughs) over all the years then you're going to continue to live your life. And if it's true that denial and disassociation are going to keep you from seeing it, that's the scales on your eyes. Face your death. Face your mortality. And then accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you might embrace the fact that, oh, I can see it all clearly now. I can overcome not only death in Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit is constantly there working on my behalf to help me correct my mistakes, even to overcome sins. The Holy Spirit has given me God's words, instructions, so that my material life can be good, even should it include, with for the sake of creativity, an eternal life in material dimension. <laughs> She's neither created or destroyed, nor destroyed. It just changes shape and form physical laws of physical science. I think it's Einstein that's in that. And would he not be considered a signal icon of science? Foundationally. But really what we're trying to say is though if you live your life only within the lesser order of things then you'll never see it. And if it is... As I think life can be if you don't see it according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, living word of God, Old and New Testament. If you don't understand the knowledge of good and evil is not evil in and of itself, it just has to be sanctified by the tree of life. That's the fruit you want to partake of. (sighs) But you start with knowledge of good and evil. We teach our kids that because that's all they can comprehend and understand until they get to that age of accountability. And then they have that capacity within the Holy Spirit to practice wisdom. Yes, you can make a case for innocence. And when they're young enough, but it doesn't take very long before, as Jesus put it, the offenses come and woe unto those who commit the offenses, but they're threatening, they're harming, they're tearing down, they're destroying, they're not building up. The Pharisees hated Paul because I think for a couple of reasons. One is he was living proof that there is a God and that his knowledge and wisdom, though it may have led him to alone, tree of knowledge of good and evil, will always lead you to atheism and agnosticism. Science alone will always take you to giving up on any sort of deity, any sort of power, any sort of Holy Spirit certainly, love of God, even love itself. You'll call it love but it won't be love. You won't lay down your life for another because your, your, your wisdom won't be of the divine. Your wisdom will be of the carnal And your wisdom will tell you, well, if I die, it's going to be over. And why would I care what you do with your life? You might argue altruism. You might argue that you could pay somebody enough to be mercenary in that way. Even so, to put themselves in a position of dying for the sake of the money. But then all you're really left with is just luck. Randomness. Evolution. I think you get the point. But they didn't like Paul because he was a living, breathing testimony of Jesus Christ and the resurrection power of Christ. Otherwise, they preached the same sermons. They said they believed the same things. But they were maybe in that, somewhat envious or jealous. But I think even more than that, they did not think they could do it. And possibly their hearts had become so hardened in that day of provocation that they didn't know anything but the hell of the circumstances that they were in. And the Tertullus, I don't know, Ananias could not have said it for himself, the high priest. But Tertullus started out with, oh, Felix. Seeing by thee we have enjoyed great quietness, and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy provision. We accept it always, and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Why would they choose bondage to the Roman Empire, which was a priori to Paul and whatever influence the New Testament church may have had, believing that Paul might have had audience with Caesar, certainly had audience with a lot of the Roman hierarchy that would then be on the path a road to getting to Caesar. Maybe it was just a New Testament church, but they were a pagan nation. They had science. They had rule, law, order, But they did that out of control and dominance and probably just that, fear of death. But here are the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the high priests, the Pharisees, using death to try to scare Paul into quitting or giving up. And Paul demonstrates he's not going to bite. He's not going to do that. Because he knows. We have in previous, most recently most recent podcast speculated that he was killed and came back to life some believe that when he was stoned that was history to this moment that I'm reading of in the book of acts he knew and his knowledge now was belief because it was anointed with the holy spirit he knew the power of resurrection only in the Word, but that you cannot deny life. It is in you. You have to give it permission, however him, the Holy Spirit, to have preeminence, predominance in your life or you become like the Pharisees and Sadducees. And in that, hypocrites. Paul was living a genuine, authentic life. (laughs) And you could say, well, what did it get him? Yeah, it got him a lot of pain. But if that was, were to be the temptation, <laughs> representative of the temptation, of temptation to quit, ah, he did a fantastic job of keeping his eyes affixed upon Jesus now that he saw the light, now that he saw it in the light of Jesus Christ. That's why... <laughs> Specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry, according to covenants, is always going to include Scripture, and it's always going to come to Jesus Christ. And it will always hold hope and promise of resurrection. But once you are resurrected, there is the additional responsibility, as I've been trying to say, the Apostle Paul was an example of, You can't go back and live the way you lived before. And should you, you'll just do nothing but in apostasy. Sear your conscience more. And with that then, take your hand off the plow. (laughs) With that then, pipe... To all of those others who are innocent, you're going to lead a lot of people astray. You're going to take them down the road of perdition. You're going to take them to the fruition of that. I said hell earlier. But it's the son of perdition. It is the Antichrist. You're going to become Antichrist. And you're going to become, as in some personification of all of that in spiritual dimension, the Antichrist. good news. (laughs) Because Jesus comes again, and even the Antichrist can't win. But where do you want to be? Do you want to take people down that path? Again, Ezekiel, it's on you. Speak words of life. But if you do, you'll always speak words of Christ. Jesus the Christ. And it will always come back to Word, living word, Old Testament, New Testament. Because there is no other gospel. There is no other word or words of life sufficient, complete, perfect, perfect, perfected, as is this word of life. And <laughs> Jesus is the example of that. And with that, not only did he come to prove it to you, to me, but that we might be like the Apostle Paul and share it with others. But you're never going to get there if you allow fear to consume you. And the devil will always tempt you, even as he did Christ in the wilderness, even with the same temptations. You just have to know recognize it when he comes and know how to overcome him I know how to fix problems it's Jesus I know how to fix problems it's the word of God I know how to allow the word of God to stir up the gift that is already in you specific again to you and in your language that you will understand, unique to you, That's particular, as we described it again in a recent podcast, love language, he'll give you instructions on how to overcome. I just have to be Elihu and keep reminding you. Job, if you want an answer, go ask God. Job knowing full well, uh, Elihu knowing full well, that if Job just got an answer with God, One, he still wanted to hear what God had to say. And secondly, God would correct his paradigm and let him see it for what it really was. And with that, restore unto him, as he did Job, all of those things and more. Of what was lost, what was given up for the greater glory of life, of helping others, participating in life, enjoying your life, but furthering life. Until Jesus comes again. Now, should any of this appeal to you? Should any of this be something that resonates with you? Is resonant with you? Should any of this be something that you think you might want to partake of? In some specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling context. Give us a call. 304-528-9220. You can find us at CovenantsOnline.com. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube at CovenantsOnline.com. You can email us, covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com, and you can come back for the next podcast of What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Until we get a chance to meet again, I wish you all that God has in store for you. The greatest of blessings relationship with Jesus Christ, life, abundant life. Not only the perfect love of God, but abundant life in Jesus Christ. But until we get a chance to meet again, thanks.